episode 120. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> podcast. My name is Julia Hushett and I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, I really hope you enjoy it. And if you're a long time listener, thank you so much for coming back. So last week I was talking about how I wanted to do an episode soon on answering more of your questions. And I've moved a few things around in my schedule. So I've actually changed that episode to this week. Okay, so let's get into it. Okay, so I've picked three more questions that have been sent in and I'd really like to go over them a little bit in a bit of detail. I know that they're probably quite common that people have asked themselves or, you know, not really sure what to do. So I thought that, you know, we could have a bit of a chat about it. Okay, I wanted to start with one which was just sent to me a couple of days ago, actually. Okay, so this question was sent to me via Instagram and she said, hey, Julia, I'm loving the online course. She's one of my my students in my online course, Don't Just Survive Thrive. So she said, hi, I'm loving the online course. Thank you so much. Even my mum is getting value out of reading my printouts. I love that. Amazing. So glad you like it. So glad your mum likes it too. And then she said, you may already have a podcast on this, but I'm wondering what your advice would be on how to respond to my son when he mentions at bedtime that he wants to live with his dad again and with me all as a family. He rarely sees his dad. It's been two months since the last night they spent one-on-one time together. Any tips or advice would be great. Thank you. And when I responded to her and asked her if she would mind if I used this as one of the questions, because I think it's, you know, quite a common concern. And she said, yes, absolutely. She added a little bit more information. She said, I have no doubt that it's a common question for many of us. My son's father pretty much makes the choice to not be involved in his life. I feel like my son is too little for for me to break his heart by telling him his dad chooses other priorities. I've tried to get him to mediation, but to no avail. So we just go about our life until he randomly pops up and asks for a play date, which is frustrating. Any advice you or others can give me would be amazing. Sleep tight. Okay, so... I guess the first thing that I wanted to say about this was that I completely hear what you're saying. It's really frustrating. And I think it's amazing that you're just carrying on with life because I didn't do that myself. I was just always trying to get him involved. And like, it took me a while to kind of go, okay, you know what? If he's not going to fit in, like we just, he has to fit in around us. I'm not going to change everything because he may or may not call when he said he was, you know? So it took me a kind of while to get to that. So I think it's really good that you say you just go about your life until he randomly pops up. It's frustrating as well, because for most of us, we really want our kids to have a relationship with the other parents. So, you know, we can feel a lot of guilt um, on their behalf, you know, that they're not kind of getting involved and that it's somehow our fault. First of all, it's not, you know, and it's really kind of, I feel like it's really unfair for the kids, this inconsistency. And I totally hear what you're saying. I, like, I can totally understand the frustration. I used to feel like, gosh, it's not fair. You can't just pop in when you want to. Like, this is a child we're talking about, you know, like you're either in or you're out. You know, that's how I used to see it. Um, and it used to really frustrate me. But then I was like, well, I'll take what I can get you know, because I don't want him to just disappear altogether. 
it just brought up a lot of confusion and stuff for me. So, I mean, in terms of talking to your son, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that he's four because I think it so depends on the age of the child and, you know, how deep you go. Now, I'll tell you what I've done from my experience. So, when my daughter was younger, first of all, let me just say actually that I've heard of many, many kids go through this and they go through these phases where they become really obsessed with their dads if they're not around. My daughter did the same thing. You know, she talked about dad for ages when I didn't think she really even knew what it was. Like she called my dad dad for ages because that's what I call him. So, you know, and then sometimes she'd look at random men in the supermarket. I think she just thought all men were called dad. So she'd see a guy in the supermarket and she'd be like, dad? you know, and I was like, oh my God, I was, <laughs> you know, how embarrassing. And I'd say, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, and it was a bit awkward when, you know, he was with a guy, with a, with a partner, like a female partner or something. Oh, anyway, um, they all kind of go through this phase, I think. And I think they all, I don't know, just take it differently. I mean, I'm speaking for, I think from my experience of what I've seen in my own daughter and, and, and of others, um, where the dad hasn't been around through these through certain stages. Yeah. So they go through this weird dad phase where it can manifest in all sorts of different ways. And also my daughter got really scared of men at some point where she was like, she could not like, she was really scared. Like she didn't want to be anywhere near some men, you know, which was really strange for me as well. So I think, I mean, what you could do, I think it's really important to acknowledge and he's probably old enough now where you know, he just might want to be heard. Sometimes, I mean, even when we're upset, like we just want to be heard. We don't necessarily want a solution all the time, you know, or a a justification or something. Sometimes it's just like, we just want to be heard. We just want someone to go, yeah, that's really shit. You know, like someone just to be on our side. So, Now my daughter's five and that's what I do with her. Like I really try to acknowledge her feelings. So when she says to me something like, oh, I miss dad, uh, I say to her, I know, it's really hard, isn't it? It's really sad when we miss people and they're far away. It's really hard. And, you know, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, my daughter's dad lives on the other side of the country, Australia, which is, you know, pretty big country. So he's a five-hour flight away. And they only see each other four or five times a year. So it is hard for her and she misses him a lot. You know, she lives with me all the time and then she sees him occasionally in school holidays. So it's tricky and it's sad for her and it's hard for her. And, you know, I really feel for her when she gets sad and she misses him. And that's kind of what I say. I just say, it's really sad, isn't it? You know, and then I, and then, I mean, for me and, you know, you can't do this in your situation to the, to the person who sent this question in but I say do you want to call him you know why don't we call him tomorrow or something you know and I kind of just let her direct that I mean obviously if he's not in the picture you can't really be like let's call him but I think you know I think a lot of us we feel because of the guilt we feel we really try to justify it straight away like I guess it also depends on the age you know because when my daughter was younger I I wouldn't say I justified it but I sort of distracted her a lot quicker like she would say you know I miss daddy or something and I'd be like "Mm, should we go and bake some cookies you know I'd I'd try to like distract her straight away which I think can work well as well if the kids are you know quite young but now she's at the age where I feel like I really want to just acknowledge I want her to feel heard and I want her to feel like yeah it sucks and when she does ask me 
you know, and it doesn't happen very often, I've got to say. Like, she's not, she understands that we can't live together as a family. I think because she's seen the way he treats me and she's just like, Jesus, you know, like, she, I think she gets it. But it still makes her sad that we're not all living together. So what she says is like, she'll say something like, it's really sad that we can't all live together, like me and you and daddy all in the same house. And I go, I know, it's really sad, isn't it? Because it is sad, you know, it's sad, you know. And in an ideal world, we would all live together, you know, have an amazing relationship with each other, him and I, and, you know, being amazing parents. And she would be an amazing child and she would always listen to everything I say. (laughs) But that doesn't happen either. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it's just... We acknowledge that it's sad, but I think she gets it. And when she was younger and she did have a lot of questions about why, and this was probably before she witnessed a lot of his treatment towards me, she used to say, why do you and daddy not live together? And I would say to her, well, firstly, I would acknowledge it. So I would say, I know it's really sad, isn't it? For me, it's lucky because I can compare it to a lot of situations, you know, like I can say, look at my parents. I say, look at them, you know, they don't live together because my parents are divorced and my dad's remarried, you know, and I say, they don't live together and they moved into different houses when I was seven, you know, and then I go, but isn't it amazing? Because now I have my stepmom and she's like, yeah. And she's like, and your other brothers. And I'm like, yes, yeah, see, so I try to kind of show her the good things that can come out of it as well. And I say, you know, every family is so different, you know, and, and then I'll say, look at so-and-so and I'll mention a few of her friends who are single parent, come out of single parent families or, you know, have two mums um, or two dads or one of the parents has died or something, you know, and I'll mention all these kids and I'll go, look at this person, look at this person. And I'll be like, every family is so different, you know, like everybody's different. And then I'll say, but you know what? Everybody has the same. And she's like, what? And I'm like, everybody loves their children so much, you know, and no matter what the family unit. And I guess to sort of sum up, it's okay to feel sad and to acknowledge it. Um, And that sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know, and I don't think it's the time to go into why and, you know, he did this to me and, you know, maybe not like it's hard for me because I know that my ex does that, but I also feel like it's very damaging for children. And there's been evidence to suggest that that is the case. So I would really try to refrain from putting down the other parent, even if, you know, they yeah, let's just leave it there. But, you know, I think um, try to refrain from doing that. I always think, you know what, one day when my daughter's older, like she might be a teenager, she might be in her 20s, she might be in her 30s. You know, sometimes I have questions now about my parents' divorce and I'm 35, you know. So, you know, I don't know. When she asks me, if she does, I will be honest with her. But when she's age appropriate. So if she says to me, how did my dad treat you when she's older? I'm going to probably tell her, you know, in a nice, like, I'm not going to bag him out, but I'm just going to try and be quite factual about it and um, about and, and about how I felt. I'm just going to be quite factual about it, I think, you know, and I don't know, I, I don't want to lie to her. So I think I'm going to be honest at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to impact on her relationship with her dad. So I think now anyway, is way too young to go into any of that sort of thing. Um, 
you don't need to explain it. And if they do push it when they're little, I think always just saying, look, we can talk about it one day, you know, when you're a bit older and then maybe move on, you know, to something else. Um, Try to change the subject. The other thing I would say is there's quite a few really good kids books out there that talk about different family units. And I might actually put a link in the show notes. I've written a blog post on five of my favorite books um, for this very sort of thing. Now, if your son's talking about this at bedtime, that might be a really good time to introduce some of these books, you know, about the different family units. The other thing that you can explain to him is like, you could say, because no one wants to hear that their parent doesn't want anything to do with them. I mean, that's just awful to hear. So what you could say is like, have you heard, I don't know if you've heard of like the invisible string, but you could say like, there's this invisible string that's attached from his own heart to his dad's heart. And sometimes dad can't be around, but their hearts are always connected by this invisible string. I mean, that's a quite a nice way of, you know, talking about it too. You know, having said all that, it's also really hard for you to hear. Like you don't want to hear that he wants to live with his dad um, again and that he's missing him. It's hard for you if, you know, he's actually had nothing, no involvement. So I also hope that you don't let this sort of get to your head either. Sometimes kids say things as well because they can see it's had a previous reaction. So if you've reacted like in an over-the-top way, then you know, they might be like, oh, let's see if I can kind of recreate this reaction. Okay, next question. Hey, Julia, I have conversed with you several times through Instagram and I can relate to you a lot. I was curious to hear your thoughts on something, including the other parent in activities. For example, my mom wants to plan a second birthday party for my daughter. Her dad lives within 15 minutes of us and has been very problematic since our daughter was born. My mom and most of my friends don't care for him at all. He kicked me out while I was pregnant and has lured me to move back in only to kick me out again just recently. I'm usually too nice and try to include him wherever possible because he never has the money to do anything for her and would most likely not go to things if I didn't plan them and include him. So what are your thoughts on including him in stuff with my family and friends for the baby's sake with all this damage done? I'm getting to a point where I don't care as much, but I know he will act like a sourpuss if I don't try. It may seem like an easy choice for some people to cut him out or where the other parent lives hours away, but I see him almost daily because of her. You always have such eye-opening opinions. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. All the love. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. Um, Okay, there's a few things that... I mean, that you touch on. Okay, so where should we start? Um, including the parent in activities. Look, as a general sort of thing that I would try to do, you know, there's obviously every situation is different. There's no formula. But for me, it's always about what is best for my daughter. I always bring it back to her. It's not about me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my ex. It's not about making him happy and doing what he needs. It's what is best for our daughter and what is best for your child. Is it best for your child that her dad is there or does she actually just really not care? You know what I mean? Like, because if she doesn't, you're just doing it for him. That's not a reason either. So bringing it back 
to your child? What is best for your child? What do they need? And you know what is a consideration as well in that? It's how is it going to impact on you? Because if you're inviting someone to your house, for instance, for a birthday party, and they are going to make you really anxious and scared or sad or angry, that's not really good either. You know, you don't want to have this toxic environment. Are you going to be screaming at each other? Like that's a bit awkward for the guests. So it's a consideration. My ex has come to one of my daughter's birthday parties. Her very first, no, 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 sorry, I make that up. Her very first birthday party, he was there for. And we actually, well, I said, why don't we have it in Perth? So we didn't have one here for her and her, I mean, you know, she was one, so she barely had any friends, but you know, I went, we went in Perth. We had the, some of the mums from my original mother's group. That's about it because she didn't really have any friends there either. But I thought, you know, we're going to be in Perth. Why don't we just do that? It's her first birthday party. He's going to feel included. She won't know what's going on anyway. You know, I can suck it up for a few hours, give me some Prosecco and I'm fine. And there we go, you know, so not, not condoning drinking alcohol to get through things by the way, but you know, sometimes it helps. Anyway, that really worked quite well for her second birthday in between the first and second, we actually didn't hear from him for a very, very long time. And he, God, this is like digressing, but basically we were in court the day before her birthday party and I hadn't heard from him in ages. And then he was suddenly there in court. Like I didn't expect him to turn up to Sydney, um, but he did. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, that's great. I was actually really offended that he could make the effort to fly over to attend court, but not to visit our daughter. You know what I mean? I was like, what are the priorities here? But anyway, because he was there, I thought maybe he'll, maybe he'll come you know, it's her birthday party. So, you know, maybe he'll come. He's in Sydney, but he didn't. Um, The third birthday party he wasn't here for. Her fourth birthday party. Yeah. So her fourth birthday party he was. And I found that stressful. Like it was not (laughs) enjoyable for me at all to have him here. Like I don't like him in my house, in my space. It gives me anxiety really to be around him. I knew it would stress me, but I also knew how much joy it would bring my daughter. So I was confident that I could put my feelings aside, um, at least externally, um, you know, for, for her. And I'm glad I did because she was so happy that he was there. It was, i got to say, pretty awkward for everybody else because No, I mean, my family knows him. I have a few friends that know him, but he's not the most sociable guy. Like he's not, um, you know, he doesn't really enjoy talking to people. So, you know, he was just sort of kept to himself and my friends and family were amazing. Like they really made an effort to talk to him and tried to include him. He just didn't really want to be involved, but I think he was doing what he what he thought our daughter wanted as well you know so we were both kind of doing what we thought was best for her and you know she loved it so it was really nice and then her fifth birthday party um he wasn't here again either so um you know I've done a bit of both but I think as a general rule I guess thinking about what's best for the child kind of always helps so when it comes to what your mum thinks and what your friends think and they don't like him I don't think 
I mean, they're going to be very biased. You know, they've seen you get hurt and they don't want to see him. They don't want to see you get hurt. So I can understand their feelings. But I think what you've done has been really nice in terms of trying to help him out and trying to do the right thing by him. And I think it's nice, if I'm honest. I think it's really nice. I think, though, if you're doing it because it's just to make him happy, then, yeah, no, you know, like probably not. Um, But I think if you're doing it because you think it makes her happy, then I think that's really lovely. You know, it's not about getting back and he's been an asshole, so I shouldn't have to invite him to this, like – you know, you don't necessarily if it's in your house, but I guess, yeah, just my opinion of it is um, if you can and if that's what's best for your child, um, why not? And, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's an easy choice at all, you know, to cut him out. You're seeing him almost daily. That's a lot as well. I mean, it's really hard to kind of have a, sec- a break, you know, and kind of move forwards from this. And also I just want to say, I'm really sorry. Like he kicked you out when you were pregnant, lured you back and then just kicked you out again recently. That's like a lot to go through. And I just, I hope you don't underestimate the strength that you have within you to do what you want to do and to stand up for yourself and do what makes you happy. Maybe you got back together with him because you thought it was the right thing to do because you were having a baby. Because when you're pregnant, you're so vulnerable and you just want, you think you need that traditional family unit, you know, but you don't. I mean, you've got to do what's right for you as well. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that one has been answered all right. And um, let me know what you do. Just quickly, the other thing as well is. Maybe just kind of play it by ear because if you invite him and then you have this huge argument or, you know, anything could happen and then you're like, shit, you know, he's coming to the party. You don't have to invite him straight away. You can think about it. And then even the day before you can go, oh, by the way, we're having a little party. If you want to pop in, you can, you know, if things are going well. And then you can just see, see where you're at at the time. Okay. The third question that I wanted to say, okay. This one's a bit of a long one, so bear with me. Okay. Hi, Julia. First, I'll say I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now and love it so much. I love hearing stories of other women. Makes me feel so appreciative about my situation and also like I have something in common with people when there's really no one close to me going through the same thing. Anyway, I know you talk about dating sometimes, so I just have a silly question about that. Now, just first of all, to stop you right there, no silly questions around here, okay? You can ask me whatever. Dating's not, I mean, dating's a bloody minefield. Okay, well, I'll carry on with the question. My ex and I have been split for three months, but as my friend said, the relationship has been dead forever. Our baby girl is 15 months old. I guess I was eager to date because I craved intimacy, which was something I never received in my relationship with my ex. So after only two months of being split, I got into a dating app. Well, I was messaging a guy and we really connected and ended up going on a date and then four more. It felt really good to date somebody who was attracted to me and to have fun and be attracted to him and have many things in common. Well, after our fifth date, he spent the night. I kicked him out super early because my little girl was coming home and I wasn't ready for him to be around her. I became so self-conscious about it and about being a single mum in general. And also my ex knew I went on a date and was making me feel like shit about it. So I broke up with the guy later that night. I told him I wasn't ready to date. 
I regretted it almost immediately. So I reached out and I told him I just felt silly and I wanted to keep dating if he was interested and he was just closed off. Then he reached out a few days later and said, you ruined something good. We went back and forth texting a bit, but it's fizzled out now. Even though I think about him like all day, every day, I'm not reaching out because I feel like if he wanted to date again, he would tell me because I made it clear I was still interested. It's been a week since we've had any communication. So I'm more devastated about ending things with a guy who I only dated for a month more than I was when I was split with my ex. What's wrong with me? Do you think I tried dating too soon? Now I can't even picture myself dating someone else. I feel so dramatic. So do you think there's a recommended healing time of time you really need to be single to focus on yourself and be confident that you're ready to date? Also, I told him I didn't think I had time because of my baby and he was like, if you don't have time to date now, when will you ever? So true. Why am I insecure about being a single mother? Signed, new at this. Okay, honey, I've so much to say in response to this. First of all, thank you for listening to my podcast and I'm so glad you love it and I'm so glad you love hearing the stories of other women and that it makes you feel appreciative about your situation and that you have this connection with people all over the world because you do and you're not alone. Okay, so let's talk about dating. I'm going to start at the end and just ask the question that you said. Do you think there's a recommended healing time that you really need to be single to focus on yourself and be confident that you're ready to date? Okay, in response to that, I think everybody's so different. There's no formula of like, yes, you need to be single for four months. You know, it's different for everyone. And, you know, some people have been, I mean, you know, like your friend said, has, what did she say? The relationship has been dead forever. Now, I mean, that's her quote, not yours, first of all. So, you know, that's something for you to think about. You know, maybe the relationship has been dead forever in from her perspective, but for you, it's still maybe fresh. You know, I don't know. But um, I think it really depends. So some people may have been out of the relationship really emotionally for a long time and be ready to date. Um, some people might be grieving and they're like, you know, couldn't even think about dating straight away. I think everyone's ready at different times and there's no specific time. But what I do think is that there's something really special about spending time on your own. And it's when you get to this point of real empowerment where you're like, I can do this by myself, you know, and then When you get to a point where you're in a really good headspace, that's when you attract good people to you as well. Because sometimes people, when they come out of the relationship, they're not really in the best headspace. Some people are looking for a relationship as a distraction or a band-aid or to fill a void or to just make everything better, you know, or so they think. And they're attracting people, maybe the wrong kind of people to them because they're putting out this energy that's not their best energy. And I really think that when you're in a good headspace and you feel really good about yourself and you've done some kind of personal growth work on working out what you want and what your goals are and who the heck are you anyway and what do you like to do and, you know, getting your life back, it's the best time really like that to take that opportunity to just focus on yourself. And I think that when you've spent some time doing that, that is when, you know, the growth happens and it's so powerful 
and I think it's really worth it. So even though I don't think there's a recommended healing time as such, I think time is good, is great actually. But, you know, having said that, some people, you know, meet someone straight away, get married, everything's great, you know. So, I mean, it's different. I also just wanted to quickly add something. You said... Also, I told him I didn't think I had time because of my baby. And he was like, if you don't have time to date now, when will you ever? So true. I've got to say, I don't really agree with that because having a 15-month-old is very different to having a five-year-old. You know, I remember when my daughter was 15 months and I rarely went out, you know, like we were sort of attached by the hip. She was so attached to me and I could barely go to the toilet without her losing her mind, you know, and now she's five and I feel like I have way more of a social life. She, she enjoys hanging out with other people as well, you know, like, and it's very different to 15 months and, you know, I don't know what it's like at every other age. Maybe when they're teenagers, you don't want to leave the house because they're always trying to sneak out in the middle of the night, you know, and then (laughs) there goes your social life. I don't know. But I do think 15 months is very young and I don't want you kind of convincing yourself that just because it's hard now, it's going to be hard forever because I just don't agree with that. And I don't want you to get yourself caught up in this negative thinking pattern where you're overgeneralizing and kind of catastrophizing about a situation um, that isn't necessarily true. You know, so I think if, if you do have the opportunity to have this conversation with him again, I would challenge that, you know, I, yeah, I mean, you know, each to their own, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay, so also there's nothing wrong with craving intimacy. You going out dating doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go out and find a husband or a boyfriend or a life partner or, you know, someone to step in to be a stepfather. It's not about that. Like sometimes you just, you know, want to go and have some fun. There's nothing wrong with that either. So maybe you're craving a bit of that. Maybe you're craving a bit of the emotional intimacy and maybe you were a bit lonely you know, and sometimes when you're in a relationship, you can be the most lonely of all. And I know that I was like that with my ex. I've never felt lonelier than when I was with him. But what I want you to know is that there's a huge difference in being lonely and feeling really happy in solitude. And when you're on your own and you feel really connected with yourself and you've done some of that self-development work and that personal growth and worked out who you are and what you want to do and how you're going to get it, you're more connected with yourself and that makes you less lonely because like you're like your own best friend, you know? So in terms of this guy, right? Like I think if you try to put yourself in his perspective, he's a human as well. And I guess, I mean, by the sounds of it, he was really into you. And when you broke it off, that really hurt him. And then now maybe he feels less trusting to you or maybe he feels like, you know, maybe this is the third time this has happened. Who knows? Maybe he's got some complex about people leaving him and, you know, now it's happened again. He's telling himself that no one wants to be with him and blah, blah, blah. Who knows? But it's not necessarily about you. I mean, he's feeling hurt is what I'm getting from this email. Okay, so when you say, do you think I tried dating too soon? Now I can't even picture myself dating someone else. I feel so dramatic. Okay, You sound lovely, and this is a normal reaction, but from an outsider's perspective, and you'll be able to see this in someone else, it probably is a bit dramatic because you've only, first of all, just split up. 
with your partner, right? So your baby's 15 months old. You have got your whole life in front of you, your whole life. You know, this is, um, this is a great opportunity, like I said, to just spend some time being on your own. And when you're in a good headspace, then you're going to find someone who's really amazing and who brings out the best in you and you bring out the best in him and you lift each other up. And, you know, it's like, a good person. So there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And then you said um, you're more devastated about things ending with him and you only dated for a month than you were when you split up with your ex. What's wrong with you? This is like a really actually quite common. Okay. So I don't know the history of why you split up with your ex and what happened, but sometimes like when you go into a new relationship afterwards. So let me use a different example. Let's say you're married or you're in a relationship and you have a child and then that person has an affair. And then the next relationship that you start, it happens again. So what's actually happening is that kind of negative thought that you're having about yourself that you got the first time, like that you might not be worthy or, you know, that it had something to do with you when it didn't. And then it happens again. And it's like reaffirming your beliefs that you have about yourself, your false beliefs that you're having about yourself. So that's why sometimes it can hurt more the second time around. That's what I think anyway. You also said that you were insecure about being a single mom. In fact, you said, so true. Why am I insecure about being a single mother? I think so many of us feel this way. We feel that like just because of the situation we're in, we're somehow less worthy and less like not as good as anyone else. And I do not want you to think that that's true. Okay. You don't have baggage. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not worse than anybody else. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're an amazing person. You're an amazing mum. You have a lot to offer. And I think working on self-love is so important. And when you get to that point where you feel really good and you feel like you love yourself and you feel really good about yourself, that's when you're attracting that right person. And it's also when you're not kind of relying on those positive affirmations from someone else. You really want to be at the stage where you can give that to yourself and you believe it yourself, you know, because otherwise you're putting yourself in this really vulnerable situation where you're really reliant on what someone else thinks about you and what someone else says about you. And you don't want that. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there for that one. I hope that that answers your question. Now, I just want to thank everyone for writing in the questions. I really appreciate it. It's not easy to put yourself out there and, you know, be so honest. If you have any questions you want me to answer, please feel free to send them through. I would love to chat about them. If you want to send me an email, you can send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And you can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at singlemothersurvivalguide. If you pop on over to the website, www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com, you can, on the homepage, there is a button to request to join the Single Mother Survival Guide Support Forum, which is a Facebook group for us all to connect with each other. And you can also book in a 30-minute complimentary clarity call if you're interested in doing some mentoring, some one-on-one mentoring with me. I mentioned it in the last episode. I'll be wrapping that up early next year for a little while at least. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to write a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this and rate it and make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will speak with you next week. Okay, bye for now.